1: Welcome to Nurses Out Loud, Thursday edition with Nurse Michelle. Today, we are going to be discussing a topic that I am so excited to bring to you because I truly believe that it is a very good chance you have never heard it talked about. And it's a good chance that if you are among the population of religious attending church members, that you may have never heard it in your church. And if you are a pastor, it is possible that you may have never taught from it, from your church pulpit, and you may have never even had it taught to you in seminary. So I challenge you all to have an open mind, not because it's something that's new, because there's nothing new under the sun. Everything that we're going to be talking to you about today is actually nothing new. It's just that it is something that nobody wants to talk about and everyone assumes does not impact them. But I guarantee you, This topic today does impact you and your family and your children and your children's children. And if you do not have the right view on this topic, then you are either part of the problem, meaning that you are maybe a good person that is allowing evil to remain present in your congregations or in your community or in your workplace without confronting it. And if 2020 ever showed us something, it showed us that, that remaining silent, did not do anything but let evil prevail and let mandates prevail in this country. All it really took was for good men to do something and good women to do something. And many good women and good men did stand up and fought against the tyranny, fought against the mandates, fought against the false information, the true misinformation, and As they were trying to get truth out to you, as people like myself were even trying to get truth out to you on something just as simple as early treatment protocols, we were censored and shut down. But today you are on americaoutloud.news where truth is not censored and you have the freedom to speak the truth without fear. And my guests today are Nelson and Mindy Schumann. And he has multiple books that he has published on the topic we're going to be discussing today. And all of them are going to be found in the America out loud dot s- store, um, where the bookstore is. So you can always look at the bookstore, and you will be able to find all of his books. And we will have links to them in my show notes. And if you don't know where the show notes are, you just go to AmericaOutloud.news slash Nurses Out Loud. Just push Nurse Michelle's face And you will go to my article about this topic today, and you can find within those notes what you are looking for, for anything he references, anything she references that we talk about that you need a link for, you can find it there. And if you have questions or want to bring something to our attention, whether you agree or disagree, the nurse's very much want you to send that to us either way, and you can send that to nurses at americaoutloud.com. So, I am welcoming with me today both of them. And what is so beautiful about these two people is that they are people who have already been someone who had a marriage that wasn't a successful marriage, and a lot was learned in those negative marriages. And a lot of you out there may be among the population that could be divorcees or seeking a divorce yourself or in a marriage that has been toxic for you. But also, you may not be either one of those things. And you may just be a, a young man or a young woman or an older man or older woman who grew up in the home of a toxic parent, whether it be one or both, and you left that home broken in some way. You, bro- you left that home with a hole in your heart. And that hole in your heart may or multiple holes in your heart that may have been caused by those parents literally may have set you up for the kind of choices you made going forward, whether it be a spouse, a career, a path that you went on that may have ended up with tragedy or destruction in your life or may even still be causing harm and destruction in your life. And I want you to know that Nurse Michelle um, feels your hurt and your pain and I care and that there is help and hope out there. And my goal is to bring to you the voices that have help and hope for you and that um, God sees you and he knows your suffering and he cares for you. So I want to first say welcome, Nelson, and let you start with telling us how in the world you came to be somebody writing all these books about this topic.
2: Well, thank you uh, so much, Nurse Michelle, for having us on. Uh, I'll say that, uh, what the Lord has shown me is that, uh, personal experience is always the best teacher, even though it can be the most painful, you know, there's only so much obviously we can read from books and glean from books. Uh, the Lord used over and over again, people's experiences that were in the Bible, uh, that were very painful from their childhoods, from marriages they've endured and gone through like Hosea and Gomer and, uh. And, and things that didn't turn out maybe the way that people thought, but then the Lord would use what the enemy meant for evil to use it for good. And that is exactly what the Lord did with my life is, um, you know, I went to church ever since I was a little kid and uh, I was, you know, taught things that weren't all 100 percent correct, what I've learned later in life and understanding that you you can love a person you know, the way that they deserve to be loved by the Lord. And if that person's not healed and not delivered, essentially they're still wounded from their childhood. They've not forgiven truly from their hearts, those that have hurt them, like their moms, their dads, or sexual violations or exposure to pornography. Then what will happen is they will trigger on a person that can love them the way that Christ would want uh, because they're still hurt and they're still hearing, you know, voices in their head and getting triggers Emotionally, and they feel justified, and so they'll trigger, trigger. So I went through some pretty extreme stuff, and uh, and the Lord later used that and took me out of the business world. I used to uh, work for a a banking software company and 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 the largest internet banking company in the United States, and um, and then when I went through what I went through, the Lord then eventually took me out of the business world uh, to ministry because it needed to be done, and I could tell. Uh, in the church, it really wasn't talked about that much, and the people that tried to help weren't truly helping. And there's so many in the church, so many marriages that are broken because of the wounds from the people's past that have never been healed, and so they trigger on each other, and they fight, and they argue, and they deceive, and there's sexual things that go on that shouldn't be, and abuse, emotional abuse, uh, will always be present uh even in absence of physical or sexual abuse, but physical and sexual abuse can also happen as well. And so when people aren't able to understand how to do, how to get people free, how to get them to truly change with you know Jesus Christ, then they will tend to call themselves a Christian, but they'll behave in the fruit of the flesh, be controlling, be manipulative, be prideful, arrogant, sexually compromised, and uh, selfish. And then they'll sabotage the marriages And then they'll blame and lie about the person that they were controlling to get sympathy from other people. And then the person that goes through that uh, abuse is just broken beyond repair in many cases. They don't know how to recover from that. So,
1: Yeah, he is speaking, I hope, to so many people that are out there. This is so relevant to so many of you. I hope you're hearing it. And I hope if you're among those that have been broken and hurt you are going to tune in and listen to what we have to hear say here today because they are everywhere. The statistics I'm going to let him give in just a moment on the level and exposure of pornography and the impact on our society within Christendom or outside of Christendom. It is impacting all of us. So we all are affected. We're going to address what we can do about that. But before I go there uh, and before we go into the depth of the brokenness that comes from even our parenting experience when we were parented as children, I wanted to first introduce his wife, Mindy. And Mindy, I had seen them on a live, and then I got to meet her here today. And as we got to meet each other, you don't get to see Mindy, but I do. And um, what we she expressed was that she had recently listened to my shows that I had interviewed Pastor Jeff Crippen, exposing domestic abuse and evil that is within the church. And she felt like it really spoke to her because it related to something she's going to share about you know, her own story. But the first thing I noticed when I saw Mindy is the first thing you would probably notice if she was walking into your church, and that is she is actually very attractive and very beautiful woman. And I want to ask you all out there, why does Nurse Michelle say something like that? And I want to say it to you because like it or not, that's the way our society is created to sell things to you based on the appearances of things on the outside. So it's already proven in marketing that if you want to sell a product Cut a distinctly beautiful woman on that um, page and the eyes will turn every time to the woman on that page, not the man on the opposing page, giving the exact same information, same cl- clothing color, everything. Your eyes are always going to go to a woman. So it's a known fact that God created women distinctly beautiful. And I want to say unapologetically that he did it on purpose and it's not something that women are have to be apologetic for and if you are part of a population out there that does guilt women for their beauty, and trust me, it's out there, it's within Christendom. And if you believe that a woman is the reason why you have a porn problem, I assure you, you you need this video, listen, this show today, because this is for you. I say to my boys, when you're walking along the beach and you're picking up the shells you want, you know, there's going to be a certain kind of shell that you're going to attract to and you're going to want to collect just like the kind of girl you're going to want to pick. And there's going to be beautiful girls walking down these beaches today and they're going to have a little bit of clothing on. And a lot of people may want to oppress those women and say they should not be revealing the gorgeous beauty that they have. But I say to my boys, I said, you better appreciate that beauty that they have because it was given to them. It is a gift from God. It was intentional. And the problem only begins when you have a problem inside your heart and how you respond to them and how you look at them. Are there women that are problems that are going to try to lure you with their bodies? Absolutely. And we're going to help you as a kid learn how to discern that. But what I want to preface by telling you about how beautiful she is, is because what I learned watching my daughter go through domestic abuse trials is that there is no compassion for beautiful women who are going through trials and suffering. And if you're among the population who look at beautiful women, and if they're out there saying, oh, my stomach hurts, or I am having a really bad problem, and you're like, oh my goodness, what, what does she have to worry about? Look at her. I assure you, beautiful women can go through incredible trials, and they did not ask for it. So you need to reevaluate your heart on that matter. And I want you, and and Nelson's going to expose how this is actually something shown in the word of God, that it is historically a problem. So if you're part of the problem, we want to be a solution here. So Mindy, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your story, because they can't see your loveliness and how you came to be married to him and what your journey was. Thank you, Michelle.
0: Thank you. I, I so well said your introduction there, and I appreciate that. Um, so yes, my story I definitely resonated with what you shared. Of course, I don't know all the details, but you know, with your daughter who who married, uh, my my story is very similar. I married um, a man who was about ten years older than I was, and uh, was you know vetted by the church, and his parents were pillars of the community, um, was a combat war veteran, war hero, um, and so there was a lot of validation with you know, the clean cut image and, uh, the church guy that goes to church and has a great family. And so there seemed to be a lot, a lot of uh, validation on being a great husband, someone to spend your life with, of course. And, and, um, and that turned into something that behind closed doors was, was not the case. And I find out, I found, found it out too late. And so what that evolved into is out of a, uh, out of a wanting to please God, and and a desire to be a faithful woman of God a woman of faith uh that was faithful to my marriage covenant i began to try to you know seek out how could i how could i uh you know i hate to use the word survive but maybe that's the right word survive in an environment where everything looked perfect on the outside there was you know christ we we were active churchgoers we were you know part of a community that uh you know, he was a, uh, a police officer, um, he became a police officer. So he, you know, he was validated in that way as well. But you know, everything seemed fine on the outside, but it, behind closed doors, it was, uh, it was, you know, hell on earth, um, a lot of abuse, and it, it started out as sexual abuse and mental and, you know, emotional abuse, but it escalated over the years to, uh, to physical abuse. But, what I found is just like you you mentioned in the beginning in your introduction is there was very little empathy for me for various reasons, but also because um you know, some twisting of scripture and some some um, expectation of you know there's the expectation of the wife to forgive the abusive behavior, but very little accountability to husbands who are continuing to abuse and know. Uh, accountability, no repentance, no, you know, the definition of repent is to turn from the behavior. And so there was no turning from the behavior. There was a reluctant, yeah, I guess I'm sorry. But even with church leadership that we were going to, to seek help, you know, there was a, a over emphasis on, well, are you forgiving Mindy? Are you submitting? And very little emphasis on his change behavior, the repentance on his end. And, you know, I, you know, you touched on this in the beginning and that we even had situations where we were meeting with a, our pastor. We had uh, the same pastor for 14 years, a female pastor, as a matter of fact. So it can be male or female pastors that kind of um, can put women in bondage in this uh, legalistic uh, type of atmosphere. But, you know, she said to me, you know, I was trying to air some frustrations with the abuse that was going on and the oppression, you know, we talked about that. And, and she said, but Mindy, you're, you're attractive. Like that was, that was an explanation. Like if, because I was maybe a little better than average looking that I shouldn't have any grievance, you know, I should just let the abuse continue. I shouldn't have anything to complain about because, you know, of, of that, of her opinion in that area. And that I remember, feeling, such a feeling of hopelessness when that was said to me and realizing there is no compassion in, for some, you know, for some in certain situations. And I literally was so hopeless and so helpless because I thought, you know, uh, that the answer was in a pastor, but the answer was in Jesus Christ (laughs) actually. And, um, So I learned a good lesson through that and it helped me become to know the Lord and his grace and his mercy for uh, men also, but women especially in, in oppressive and bondage relationships and situations. So the Lord led me out of that. And um, I'm actually a a testimony of uh, Nelson's ministry. um, So I wanted to make that point as well. He, I had found the ministry and started reading some of the books and, learned quite a bit about, um, so I, you know, I was able to walk that walk out of that oppression and that bondage and, uh, become free. Um, it cost me greatly, cost our son greatly, but, um, all for the glory of God. So
1: that is a beautiful testimony. Now, Nelson, I'd love for you to follow up that beautiful testimony of your beautiful wife by telling us what is actually supported in the Bible when it comes to women that are perceived by the culture to be notably lovely. Um, Is this something that's a pattern of behavior that goes back to the Bible?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You think about it, uh, uh, when Jacob was wanting to be married to Rachel because she was beautiful, the Bible says, and he got tricked and he ended up marrying Leah, the sister, that was not beautiful according to the Bible. (laughs) And he had to work for like seven more years to get Rachel. And what was interesting when you think about this is that uh, he had, Joseph had these uh, 10 other brothers. Um, There's a total of uh, 12 of them, but uh, 10 other brothers that were born through Leah. And when he was born, he was born through Rachel who was beautiful is what the Bible says. So when he was growing up, there was jealousy between the brothers and he. And you can understand when a person is physically attractive, uh, then, and then they said that he was, that there will be some, uh, if you have siblings that are born from someone else, they may not have been as physically attractive. So therefore they would have been jealous from the beginning. Plus, of course, uh, their father, uh, Isaac, was very much uh, loving of uh Joseph. So he might have gotten some, some better treatment, more love than what maybe the other brothers did. But of course, in his situation, he, he was hated by the brothers. They wanted to kill him. They ended up selling him off. And then he ends up getting the favor of the Lord uh, under Potiphar's house. But then Potiphar's wife was wanting sex with Joseph. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and left as she was trying to approach him and, and touch him. And then she lied about him so then he gets punished again, and he goes to jail for three years. So you got to be thinking if you're Joseph, wow, what good is, you know, being ruddy and being handsome and good looking? Because all I'm getting is people that, you know, my brothers hate me, you know, and then women want to have sex with me. (laughs) And so, and all I do is have a bunch of horrible things that happen in my life. Well, then ultimately, suddenly the Lord finally pulled him out of prison when he interpreted the dream. Uh, from Pharaoh. And then he was promoted to number two in command. But there are so many people, you know, women, especially women that are beautiful, where other women will be jealous and hate them. And then you'll have uh, the men that want to have sex with them and lust after them. And so people think, well, it'd be great if I was just a beautiful woman. And it's like, no, it's almost sadly like a curse. Unfortunately, it shouldn't be. You know, if people were healed and delivered of their lust, the men, then they could treat the women with the love and the respect that they should. But the statistics show there's a study done by a group called BARNA, B-A-R-N-A, that uh, shows 57% of pastors look at pornography. 64% of youth pastors look at pornography. 75% of men who attend church look at pornography. And of course, Jesus said if a man lusts after a woman in his heart, he is committed adultery with her. And there's so many men out there that sadly have committed adultery, maybe not physically, but they sure have mentally. And the Lord wants them to be healed of their, of their and again, oftentimes they're exposed to pornography by the time they're 14. Uh, it kind of explains why they struggle with that. and Of course, women as well, 95% of people are either exposed to pornography or touched or molested sexually by the time of age 14, because we're kids and we can't protect ourselves. And then that will stay with us, even if we come into the church, you know, we'll continue normally to struggle with the sexual purity. And that's where the the, the pastors are today. So they need to get healed of those wounds and get delivered from that so they can change.
1: Yes, um, I addressed a topic not too long ago on my show about a mother who was releasing her child during church. And my church has 2000 people in it. Um, to go to the potty by herself and she's only five years old. And I asked her afterwards, do you think this church is safe? And she said, yes, I do. I said, well, there is no safe church. There's a predator most certainly here waiting for a moment like that to, to get a hold of your child. And you may never even actually know about that a touch that may have happened to your child at mm-hmm. that young of an age that until she's much older and the brokenness starts showing itself. Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's wife, wrote a book called In Every Pew Sits a Broken Heart And it was Hope for the Hurting. I love her title because I love to say that there is hope and help for everyone. And and Nurses Out Loud is focused on, you know, we are nurses. We're looking at you from the physical, you may think. but But actually, we are more than just our physical bodies. We are spiritual. We are emotional. We are mental. There's a psychological component to all of us. And there's a lot that goes into these beautiful creations that God has made. And we are uniquely individual. And all of our experiences are unique. And your value is incredible, even if you've been led to believe it's not. Your fingerprint's never been here before, and it's never going to be here again. And it is here for such a time as this. And all of the bad things that's ever happened to you and good things all contribute to your unique brain that's capable of coming up with an idea that nobody else can because of your suffering and your good that has happened to you. So I want to remind you each of your value, but to remind you also that in your brokenness, you, if if Billy Graham's wife, is uh, who had lots of people she was exposed to, is aware that every pew of a church has brokenness in it, then I know that this topic is uh, touching more people than we realize. Now, I did have a friend once in my life say to me in her 30s, you know, I've never really had anything bad happen to me. I, I'm a, I wonder if I'm even a believer because she said, I I'm, and when she even said it, I said, don't say that out loud. You just said that out loud because my life had been so full of trials that I could not comprehend her life of no suffering, but she was raised by wonderful parents who literally became wonderful grandparents and raised up a righteous generation of kids that, you know, really don't have brokenness issues. And if there's going to be a prone to problem in that kind of group, it's going to be Phariseeism, right? That you're going to be prone to possibly being a Pharisee. You could be a non broken person who also could be a Pharisee. You want to speak to that, Nelson?
2: Sure. Absolutely. Uh, You think about Jesus and he called out the Pharisees and the scribes because of oftentimes their pride that was in their hearts and they were jealous of him. They hated him. Um, Obviously, they wanted to kill him and then ultimately did. But he called them out because they would try to make the appearance of everything like the outside of the cup was always clean, but the inside was dirty. He referred to referring to their hearts inside. So in in many of those cases, they were prideful, they were arrogant, uh, could have very well been lustful as well, very common, and uh, they didn't have the heart of Christ, they didn't have uh you think about the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and I always add in humility and sexual purity so in in most of those cases, those people were not walking in that. And, there's a, and, and those that have a religious spirit, especially a religious prideful spirit like the Pharisees, those are extremely hard to deal with because they will not look in the mirror at themselves. They will look out the window and blame all their problems on other people, and they will end up condemning other people and treating them like they're somehow better. Um, and in reality, the Lord knows our hearts. He looks at the hearts and uh, searches the hearts and the minds, and in many cases, you know, they— are, are very evil inside. They're very selfish. They're very self-motivated and uh, prideful and lustful. And of course, the statistics show that with the, the the amount of pastors that are struggling with pornography today.
1: I think that is beautiful. And on the second half of the show, we're going to address specifically some of the, types of personalities that you may be married to or raising or that you have in your church if you're a pastor that we are going to help you know how to confront and deal with and how to help people heal because they're the broken people need healing the more uh, healing we get for the broken people the more likely the power of the influence in your church and i would contend that we would not have the problem that's that happened in 2020 had the church at large had been free 2020 good at confronting evil and purging it out of their church. So if we had that already dealt with, if you pastors out there have been really lions about getting these people out of your churches and, and making them shame for what they've done to people within your churches and the men who are harming their children and their wives were confronted by strong men, good men in your church, because all it takes for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. So on the other half of the show, we are going to come back and address those topics. But I want to remind you all to go to the AmericaOutloud.shop. Remember that ASEA, A-S-E-A, is the product sponsor for Nurses Out Loud, and we picked it because we believe that it is something that everybody can use because it is not a medicine. It is 100% native to your body. No matter what is going on with your health, you can actually stimulate redox cell signaling molecules to do something to turn on wellness and health for you. So be sure to check out americaoutloud.shop, and we'll be back after the break.
0: It's time
3: Hey everyone, Nurse Kimberly Overton here from Nurses Out Loud. Over time, our cell signaling molecules diminished, leaving us vulnerable to the wear and tear of life. With the sea of redox, you can restore and revitalize your body at the cellular level. This is an incredible product that I personally use and can attest to seeing fantastic results, including better sleep, increased energy, improved mood, and a decrease in my joint pain. ASEA supports your immune system, enhancing your body's natural ability to repair itself. It promotes overall well-being so that you can experience a new level of vitality and resilience. It's time to take control of your health and experience the power of ASEA. Visit our online store today at americaoutloud.shop and use promo code OUTLOUD to save 15%. Be sure to tune in to Nurses Out Loud Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern.
1: get heart healthy, go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD for 25% off.
2: Change in the world one person at a time. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of
1: humanity. welcome back to nurses out loud i have with me nelson and his wife mindy Schumann, whose books will be in the america out loud store so i want you to be sure to check them out and where we're going to pick back up where we left off is about wounded people from wounded parents or wounded people from abusive parents and i would i would contend that not all wounding parents were possibly wounded parents they literally may be the evil among us that are going to populate hell one day. There are evil people among us. We know they exist. We know that there is a hell. We know that hell will be populated. And um, we know that in this audience of America Out Loud, for the most part, you may be what I would call the choir, preaching to the choir. But on this particular topic, even though I want to encourage you to take the everything that you learn here on America Out Loud, because they're not going to hear this elsewhere, Take it and share it outside of this audience and where you think maybe people are not hearing it. But this message may literally be for the choir, because let me say this, if it were not, if we did have everybody within Christendom confronting the evil in the church, confronting their own brokenness and seeking healing then we could all be more powerful at making an impact for change for the next generation and within our communities and within our churches. So if we aren't healed, what is the reason why we're not healed? And I would tell you as a person that's more than half of 100 years old, sometimes it's just the cost of seeking counseling. Or maybe you didn't grow up being a really good book reader and you don't go and seek her books, and there's so many books on a shelf, you don't know where to go and get a book that's going to help you. So, when it comes to radio, you can hear what people match your worldview. And you can say, I can relate to this person or their journey. I want to get their book because I relate to them. I think they can help me. And maybe that's going to be the first step you're going to take on your journey to healing. And counseling is hard. And it is hard to find somebody that matches your worldview. My present counselor, when I first met him four years ago, I said, listen, this is all the issues going on in my life. And I listed out everything and I said, and I think that probably this isn't going to work out because if you're going to throw the Bible at me on all these topics and not make me heal with the Bible instead of whipping me with the Bible, I don't think this is going to work out. And we're going to have a breakup today and just get the suffering over with early. And he said nobody had ever said that to him before. And we've had a four-year wonderful relationship with a man that's like a father figure to me that has just been wise above his years and has you know provided me the kind of counsel and guidance because there is a verse that says there is safety in a multitude of counsel, and I would contend that within your church the people you might be judging as very broken or hurting people they very likely have broken and hurting family members and do not have the benefit of safety in a multitude of counsel. So sharing this content with you, sharing these books that he has written may literally be the safety you can provide for them by sharing the knowledge and wisdom that Nelson is sharing with you. So welcome back, Nelson. And why don't we start right there with wounded parents? What happens when wounded parents are hurting their children and then they are launched into the world?
2: yeah so of course we've heard hurting people hurt people and uh there's a uh, complete uh validation in the ministry that the lord has called us to do we've seen it every day we do sessions with people around the world uh so essentially what happens is uh you have a person that gets hurt and wounded uh, oftentimes by their father or mother it could be outside their father and mother of course they can be hurt by neighbors they can hurt be hurt by strangers hurt by cousins hurt by uh grandparents um friends at school and so forth. But when those uh, wounds don't get healed, and essentially, if we don't forgive a person, doesn't mean that we reconcile with the person. So obviously, if a person's a, an abuser uh, and you're older, you know, you can't, it's hard when you're a child and you're getting hurt and wounded from your parent to say, hey, listen, I went out because you're being abusive to me. Normally, you, they stay in that abuse, sadly, until they get old enough. Sometimes Child Protective Services identifies it. Uh, early enough, but oftentimes the child gets hurt from their mom or their dad, and then they'll grow up. And all they remember uh, are, are typically lots of thoughts every day about that hurt and those wounds and the, an the exact same tone that their father or mother told them. They'll remember what the words were that they were spoken to over and over and over again, like every day, every week. And they oftentimes talk about it. All the time. So, uh, in those cases, of course, they're, they've not been able to forgive. Again, you don't have to go to the person that abused you and hurt you and say, "Hey, I'm going to forgive you." Doesn't make sense because if those persons aren't changed, uh, aren't repentive, then all they're going to do is hurt you again by what they say or do. So, I talk about this, you know, Matthew 18, 21, 35, It talks about that if we don't forgive others, uh, in the uh, in the parable that the Lord used, then. Uh, then the Lord's not going to forgive us uh, of our sins. And and and, and we're going to have torment, it talks about. Well, the torment are our thoughts, getting all these negative thoughts. And so what we found in our ministry is that when people truly are able to uh, see the person that hurt them, you know, from the perspective, say, from the Lord's perspective, saying, hey, wow, I I learned that my dad was really hurt by his dad. I knew a little bit about it, but boy, I was thinking about it and maybe praying about it, and the Lord showed me that he was really hurt, maybe by his dad, by his mom, or by someone else I didn't even know. And and then that was the reason why he treated me the way that he did. Well, now I'm going to choose to forgive from my own home. You don't have to go to the person again. And then you name off all the emotions that they caused you to feel. Well, gee, he caused me to feel angry and bitter and uh not good enough unworthy rejected is very common betrayed uh maybe feel stupid you know put me down Uh, i i was a burden to him all these things and then you simply give all those emotions to the lord and then uh you truly forgiven when you've truly forgiven them from your heart that way then what will happen is instead of having all those negative thoughts That control you every day remembering all the bad things that were done to you by a myriad of people of course as as you're an adult you're going to have your dad your mom you could be your your uh eighth grade girlfriend boyfriend your high school sweetheart your maybe first wife or husband second wife husband uh all these people that have hurt you and wounded you when you're able to forgive all them truly from your heart then what's going to happen instead of hearing all those negative thoughts Uh, You'll have maybe a few hundred positive thoughts. In fact, it was interesting. uh, The Lord uh, uh, told me one day, uh, several years ago, he said, how many thoughts a day do you think the average person has? It's never gone through, say, healing and deliverance. And I'm like, I don't know. Like they did a study on that. And he said, well, they did. Google it. I'm like, you're kidding. So I Googled, how many thoughts a day does the average person have? And then sure enough, the National Science Foundation in 2005 did a study They found the average person had 12,000 thoughts or more a day, of which 80% of their thoughts were negative and 95% the same thoughts they had the day before. So it's like a broken record. You know, the enemy wants to keep bringing back all those negative words uh, that were spoken. So you can't forgive truly from your heart.
1: That is amazing to hear how many thoughts a day we have. I'm not surprised at all. Anybody who's dealt with a lot of struggles in their life can totally probably relate to that. Now I want to bring Mindy in on this. So Mindy, you have been a person that uh, both of you have actually been a victim. That's what actually, uh, and some people have a really negative attitude about the word victim. And I remember my daughter um, being accused of having a victim mentality. And one thing she was not is a victim mentality. In fact, she wanted so desperately to not be seen as a victim to a fault. And I'm like, you are a victim literally. And I said to the people judging her, I'm like, You know, when the domestic abuse victim is actually killed and she's in the coffin, it's called a victim. That's what we do in the criminal world. If you're a police officer out there, you can appreciate what I'm saying. There are victims that are actually harmed. So both of the people we're talking to today are victims of abusive personalities in their past. But um, how would you say, Mindy, that the teaching that he's addressing here about forgiveness actually played itself out in your life?
0: Well, because I uh, was serving the Lord, I was a Christian and I thought I was walking in forgiveness. You know, I, it was like a head knowledge of it, but, um, with, you know, with the ministry, it it taught me what, what forgiveness actually is and what that is from, from a perspective of how does Jesus, uh, expect us to walk that out. And so it, it went from like a head knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. I forgive. But am I still thinking about it constantly? Am I, have I let them go to the point that even if God blessed them, would I be able to not be bitter and angry about it? I mean, that's, that's where the level, you know, that's the level. So
1: um, you also can ask you this, were you also, because you were a victim inside of a bad marriage, were you guilted by saying that basically by leaving, you are not forgiving?
0: Absolutely. That was a a mess, a huge message that was driven to me. Um, you know, that the goal was that I just needed to forgive as if that alleviates any abuse that's happening and we need to forgive. That's the scripture is, you know, uh, very clear about that. So no, no one's, I'm, I'm not arguing that point, but however, it's not just forgiveness that Um, relieves and changes the situation. It it is a factor in it. And, you know, it needs to be applied, obviously, but it does not change the behavior of an abuser. In fact, in many, many cases, it will empower them. And they will actually use it against you because they know that you're a mercy-hearted person. They know you want to please the Lord. So they will take that and turn it and use it just to abuse you more. It can empower abusers in many, many cases. So...
1: Yeah, so that is something that I definitely want um, Nelson to expand on a little bit further because we do know that there are personality types, narcissists specifically, um, Pastor Jeff Crippen calls them raisins, revilers, abusers, narcissists and sociopaths. And that's the raisins that he calls and that these people have propensities to actually look for victims within Christendom because they're going to be expecting them to forgive them all the time. So how in the world, you know, here we are at the holidays. It's everybody's going to be coming together with their families. We know that the narcissist, everybody has somebody in their family that they're dreading showing up at. And um, we're going to have to face reality. And maybe this can be the year of healing. So what in the world can we do about the narcissist among us?
2: Yeah, I have to understand, first of all, that, you know, God gave us all free will. We have free will to choose to either forgive or not. We have free will to want to change, to own our behavior or not. And no matter how much a person might pray and fast and do all the right Christian things, uh, that person has a free will to keep. Uh, their you know their their spirits basically and continue to abuse and we have a choice whether we choose to serve you know the demons in the person or if we choose to serve the Lord and get freed you know so that's the first thing the Lord has always uh, has told us is that people have free will and and the church will try to say well you just need to pray more just need to fast more just need to give them more sex And, and, and in large part what Mindy said is all it does is oftentimes feed into those demonic spirits they're like hey now i'm empowered now i can become more controlling more demanding so so it's true you know narcissists are are being talked about more and more um and it's extremely hard for them to change most people would say that they can't you know we we have helped literally thousands to change which is a miracle to see even one but it's because we understand the deeper spiritual sides of things of how to get them to recognize that hey listen you got hurt you got wounded when you were a kid or you were entitled as a kid, and you've continued to live as an entitled brat <laughs> as an adult, and you and you uh, want to control everybody uh, because you don't truly, you know, trust the Lord. Plus, you're hearing a lot of thoughts from the enemy, and you don't even know that, and uh, so you're sabotaging your relationships. And in many cases, of course, they don't care, and they're 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 great at lying and selling the lie to as many people that will listen. Um, but yeah. yeah. It, it,
1: there are people that are married to these people that are raisins, um, whether they be reviler, whether they be an abuser, whether it be a narcissist or a sociopath. Now, the sociopath we know ends up being I love true crime. So it's probably those that, you know, we need to make sure we run as fast as we can from these people because they're the murderers of our generation. Yeah. They're probably going to yeah. make a victim in your house. But mm-hmm. the narcissist, like he's saying, he's had some success with others definitely agree that, you know, that there may not be much hope with it. But the hope come. And actually bringing them before, making them accountable and within Mm -hmm. a church setting, if a woman comes or a man comes and says, I think I'm married to a narcissist and I'm really suffering X, Y, Z, the first response is believe them. You've got to believe them. And yes. you've got to actually have a plan for a solution. And it and for one thing, Pastor Crippen would contend, it isn't couples counseling. It's he's got a problem. She says that she's got a problem. Let's help both these right. people with their problems. She's a victim, let's say. We need to help the victim recover. And get and feel like she's at safety and talking. If it becomes not safe for her to be able to tell the truth about him, and she's reporting he's now heart hurting me at home, you've got a yeah. responsibility, church, to get her to safety. But if we're not yeah. dealing with a physical abuser, and we're dealing with emotional, sexual, um, mm-hmm. financial abusers, and things like that, the, the church or people like yourself need to be somebody needs to be putting them in front of help. So, so directing them to your ministry would be a source of help. Correct?
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, in fact. You have to be extremely careful when you go to the church, because a lot of people don't understand this whatsoever. And if you get in front of a pastor or a counselor at church that has no clue about the spiritual underlinings of how these people operate, um, because they'll believe what they're told and the and the person that operates as a narcissist is so believable and so believable and credible that the, and they'll have these private sidebar conversations with the pastor, with the counselors, so they, they can convince them that their spouse is the troublemaker, the uh, abuser, and then the, and then if they can get them on their side, then the victim is going to get re-victimized all over again. And then and that hurts even worse than the the abuse because they've been abused for oftentimes very long and then they have the courage to finally stand up and come off the mat and getting beaten up forever and then they finally come forward and say, "Okay, now I'm going to get some relief." And instead, they get more uh, uh, horrible abuse. I mean, horribly abused by the wrong advice, the bad advice. So and when,
0: blamed and shamed.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when they come to our ministry, we explain, that, you know, the, the the underlinings of why this has all happened. We we explain it uh, that uh, you know we, you got to understand that, that the majority of most marriages, you're going to have one person that operates more as the narcissist, one that's more of the empath, and it's important to explain it uh, in a way that the narcissist can receive it, because if you come across and you're you know, blaming them right off the bat, then they'll take an offense and act like they're a victim. And and then they won't want to see you. And then they'll say, well, i got to go to another counselor that I can manipulate, essentially, is what they're wanting to do. So, so it's extremely hard to, to do what we're doing, so.
1: Yeah, so I wanna make sure the audience is hearing a message that's coming out really clear. So you may be a person that has never heard the phrase separate yourself from evil. You may think, oh, of course I separate myself from evil. But if you're actually in a marriage with this kind of problem going on, while there is admission of I'm, I'm now coming forward, I'm letting it be known that I'm having an abusive spouse. Now that person has been made public. The church is now gonna put him in front of uh, some kind of counseling, hold him to account to counseling. Let's say you're even making sure he signs up with Nelson's counseling yes, group. Does. So Nelson's working with the narcissist. That narcissist has to be accountable to the church authority, okay? But during that time, she should be separated from evil. Evil's been identified. They they should. This woman now has a housing problem. This abuser has a housing problem. The church has to decide who should really be able to stay at the house with the children. And should it be the woman who's left her career who has to have a home and housing? No, she needs to be able to stay likely in her home and he has to be made accountable to the church that you're going to get your stuff out of that house and stay in some other situation while we hold you to account through this training so that we can assess whether or not our advice to both of you is that you, we're going to help you both heal, but that marriage has already been destroyed by the narcissist behavior. And now it's time to focus on getting these, this couple divorced and free from the bondage of the sin. Correct?
2: Yeah. 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 I mean, our, our, goal is, is to, is to, Uh, explain the truth of of this is what happens um, to you. You got hurt, you got wounded, you haven't truly forgiven from your hearts, and this is why you're behaving in ways that are sabotaging your marriage, you know, Mr. or Mrs. Narcissist, because women could be narcissists, men could be narcissists, and then if they're open to going through some ministry with us and watching some videos, reading some books, doing the work, you know, there are a percentage that a miraculously change you know the, but there's also far more that don't and so in those cases then we're going to have to help protect the victim so they don't get continued hurt and wounded because there's a lot of, of uh emotional abuse that goes into them and it, and it manifests in where they've got sickness and disease within their body the women especially they're they're losing their hair you know they feel like dying i, I knew of one that actually attended my church the husband was abusive to the wife, but he appeared to be really sweet and loving and kind in front of me and the church, but behind closed doors, he was not. And uh, he he kept coming against his wife, coming against the kids. The kids, as soon as they turned 18 and graduated, left home to get away from the abuse. And the wife ultimately uh, got a brain tumor and she died like at age 42. And uh, then eventually he got remarried to a woman and she was healthy. For about six months, and within a year, she was sick because of the constant emotional abuse going on. Well, I finally learned from their youngest son that the dad was sexually molested by his father. So that was what was going on. It was, he was just raging and all that pain he never could forgive. And it was taking out, and he was at the church all, all the time, and talking very sweetly and very gently, yet being very abusive behind closed doors. And so what I contend was that because she got a brain tumor and died from that is. When a person's being verbally, emotionally abused, they're hearing that in their ears. And you can imagine if you're continuing to hear negative thoughts play over and over again, that can affect you to potentially even give you uh, a a tumor that kills you, sadly.
1: so That's a a terrible description of hurting people hurt people and how that. And a lot of people end up victimized by their medical health. And I've heard other speakers say that you got to determine whether or not the toxicness of the relationship is actually something you can live with because you can see that they're working to strive and change. And you're not mm-hmm. your health and your mental health and your spiritual health and your physical health is not being negatively impacted. But if yeah. your physical, emotional, and spiritual health is being negatively impacted, that separation from evil is where you are. And then yeah. you know, demanding counseling, if counseling's not sought and change isn't repentance and change doesn't happen, it's time mm-hmm. to move to be free. Right. And the Lord wants us to be free. Now yeah. you mentioned though that a lot of these people that are broken, you know, they will end up with counterfeit comforts, is what you called. So let's deal with some of that for a moment.
2: Yeah, a lot of these broken people uh, are looking for temporary relief. And so they'll oftentimes, uh, you know, hear in their thoughts, the suggestions that, hey, you should turn to drinking some alcohol because the alcohol will help to numb the pain. Well, it doesn't ever take away the pain if they have not you know, been able to forgive a person that's hurt them, wounded them. As soon as they sober back up, they'll end up hearing those thoughts again and go back to the same behavior. You know, same thing with smoking, with drugs, with sex, with overeating food and all that stuff, um, they're, they're, they're addictions uh, that uh, you can oftentimes look at them as maybe like an idol that they make. Um, when we get healed and we truly are able to forgive the people that hurt us and wounded us, then those will tend to go away because we no longer have to rely on something that temporarily uh, removes that from us. We're permanently changed because we've truly forgiven you know, from our hearts and repented for things that we've done. And then we're set free. And then we have a lot of peaceful thoughts instead of those 12,000 negative thoughts, so.
1: Do you have a book that's specifically addressing the counterfeit comforts? And is there some counterfeit comforts, Mindy, that you feel like you actually did identify with yourself?
0: Certainly, yes. Do you want to answer? About um, the book? Yeah, the book
2: I would suggest is my, my latest one, Freedom from Soul Wounds and Demons. It's available on Amazon. And that book will identify those mm-hmm. uh, different Addictions and counterfeit uh, things that people turn to. So, yeah,
1: that yeah, book the, will be included. Yeah. That book will be included inside the uh, store for America Out Loud. But, Mindy, what kind of counterfeit comforts did you find as a victim?
0: Well, I would say there was for me the comfort was I can't control what's going on around me. Uh, I want to control food. I want to control the e- amount of exercise. So there was an overemphasis on weight control and and food and exercise to the, to the point where um, I felt like I, I, that was something I control, can control. And, but it, there became an overemphasis on it, it became an idol to me. Um, so the Lord had to bring that back into balance for me. And now it's, there's a, there's a balance to it. It's, it's, you know, I'm uh focused on health and nutrition, but it's not an idol in my life anymore. It's not something I have to do because I'm seeking to control something because I'm feeling so helpless and out of control in other areas of my life. So. She'd
2: also struggle with some hair loss. Yes, that now yeah. the hair is yes. growing back now yes. because no longer having the abuse. Yeah, so. we
0: talk to a lot of women who have uh, are going through autoimmune issues. Um, that's very something very common that we hear uh, from women who are in situations where there's you know violence in the, the home or abuse in the home, um, and so they they tend to it it can develop into autoimmune autoimmune issues from what we have uh, we've experienced and the, the many that we've talked to in those situations. So yes, hair loss was a big issue for me with, you know, a lot of stress. Um, but the Lord has restored that and, um, you know, redeemed that for sure. So I'm um, so thankful.
1: I'm going to just define the word autoimmune for the audience in case you're not a person out there that has autoimmune disorders but it is your own body really turning against itself it's um it's lymphocytes and antibodies that are going up against substances that are naturally present in your body so if you're experiencing an autoimmune disease it's basically your own body turning on itself and in many ways the person who is the domestic the victim of any kind of abuse i mean whether it be a child has come out of a home or whether it be a a dating relationship or a marriage relationship or even a work relationship your your way of coping or having to cope with the circumstance for survival is going to be methods like she's needed it like mindy just mentioned a need to control something in her life because everything was out of control that could be interpreted so many different ways but the body says Jesus wants us to be living a life where a husband loves, he married and swore before God and man, I'm going to love, honor, protect, nurture. I want to make babies with you and I want to protect you. And if bad nefarious powers come into play, I want to kill them so they don't hurt me and my my woman and my babies. Um, You know, that that's what a woman's counting on when she's marrying somebody who loves her, who claims to love her. And when When that's not present, there's a there's a cognitive dissonance that's happening in her life at all times. Like uh, my reality doesn't match what the words are or my house doesn't match reality. There's always a disconnect. And you probably address that in a book, don't you, Nelson? Mm,
2: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Actually, my my latest book uh, has all of that type of stuff in there. So um, helping lots of people, thousands of people around the world now.
1: Well, let's address that before we go. Tell us the name of all your sites that you have and your TikTok and et cetera.
2: Okay. Let- yeah. Uh, the website is Restored uh, with a uh, R-E-S-T-O-R-E-D, and then to T-O-Freedom.com. And uh, I'm on Facebook. Uh, you can find me, search for Nelson Schumann on TikTok. We have... Uh, over 107,000 i think uh followers now uh again search for nelson Schumann. and the one that has 107,000 and not those that have like 10 <laughs> so, well great and, uh, i'm on instagram and uh, on youtube as well uh we have a we have 1700 video teachings on youtube so
1: well you we make there. sure we're going to make sure all of those links are in the show notes we're going to make sure it's included you're going to have links to nelson links to Mindy and links to the ministry that they're doing out there to make an impact. And if you are a person that's needing healing, you have a source now. It's going to be found in the America Out Loud store. So I thank you both for coming on here. We may have to come back and talk about some more intense topics in the future. Thank you. Great. Thanks. Well, what did you think of that interview, America Out Loud audience? If this topic is something you believe that your community needs to hear, whether it be church or women's group, remember all our shows go to podcasts the next day. Please share the links anywhere that you listen to podcasts. If you're a church leader, recognize the need for your church to be ready to address the broken and hurting people among your community. If you do not have anyone qualified within your own congregation, you need to have a pre-written information that gives help and hope to those that are among the suffering identify quality women's shelters, affordable housing, buses, resources, and books for those trapped in toxic relationships and marriages. Nelson's books are available in the America Out Loud store, and they're available on Audible as well, and you can be sure to see my show notes for those links. Here at Nurses Out Loud, we are in a war for truth, and the truth is there can't be any more mass propaganda campaigns and unconstitutional mandates if the good people of our society are making sure to identify, call out, And make accountable those that are doing harm among us. Every abuser should be terrified by the accountability he will be held to if your church discovers he is hurting his children or his spouse. Make sure those abusers are sent to people like Nelson to help them possibly change. But above all, help set their victims free. Wolves in sheep's clothing out there, beware. The sheep are being empowered to identify and eradicate you from hiding among the sheep. We say no more. Until next week.
0: It's time and-